You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read a little bit this morning before we get into the, our main subject, but we're going to talk about it as we go, starting with verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your, uh, of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. I want you to see something right here in this, is that that, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy's a young man, and Timothy was going through a process. We're going to talk about all of what he was going through at this period of time. So this, this letter is a letter of exhortation. He's reminding him that Paul knows of the gift that was in Timothy that was first in his grandmother, that was passed to his mother, that was passed to him, and was telling him to stir that gift up that came through the family lineage. We always hear about the sins of the forefathers. And how, how we can be affected by the sins of the forefathers. This scripture lets us know how you are already affected by the faith of your forefathers or the grandmothers even. That faith, our righteousness, our prosperity, there are things that are passed down through the family. In this case, it was great faith. That Timothy had a, a, a true, genuine faith in God that was passed down to him from his mother and his, uh, her mother, I mean, she got it from her mother. And so it was passed down. And so what, I, what I'm sharing real simply is that I want you to understand that even if you are the first in your family's lineage to start being righteous or start walking with God, it can start with you and you can pass it on to your children's children's children. There's families in here that's passed on righteousness uh, for generations. And that's what's going on in this story is that the very essence of, of having a true, sincere faith in God was first in the grandmother, started with the grandmother, passed to the mother, and then goes on to Timothy. And, and Paul is saying, I encourage you to stir that gift up by the laying on of hands. And see, you can't lay hands on people if you're not around people. The scripture says, forsake not the gathering together of the saints. Why? Why is it important for us to gather together Every day. I didn't say just Sunday. Every day. It's so we can let the gift that's in us manifest and flow out into other people around us. This, when you hang around other people and get around other, other believers, you stir up the faith that's inside of them. You, be, you get built up and, and, and you build them up. The scripture says that the, in the New Testament church that they were about the apostles' doctrine daily breaking bread one with another. That means they were hanging out. They were spending time together. They were going over to people's houses and homes and they were talking about God on a regular basis. 
They just weren't talking about God. They were studying. I love what the scripture says. I tell you, it says, study to show yourself approved, a worker, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, you all, you, everybody here knows that you can't study enough to get God to prove you. You can't study hard enough for God to go, okay, now you're worthy because of your study. No, you can't do that. So what the Bible is saying is saying study to show yourself that you're approved. That we need to study the Word, and as we read the Word, we're going to see in the Word that we are approved by God, that we're loved by God, that we're special by God, whether you're a cheerleader or not. <laughs> I threw that out there for you. When I was in high school, I didn't have a problem with them either. Except they wouldn't listen to me. No, that's no, just kidding. Just kidding. We won't go there. I'll have to go to healing. It says here, <laughs> Therefore I remind you, verse 6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But He has given us something. And what has He given us? He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. So what this scripture is literally saying is that that we don't need to be operating from what God hasn't given us. We need to be operating from what God has given us. He has given us power, love, and a sound mind. The scripture in the Bible says that Peter was walking around. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee. You can't give away. You can't reach out to people. People can't enjoy you. The only way they can enjoy you is from what you have, not what you haven't had. Does everybody understand that? You have to have something. The Bible here is saying that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Most people in the body of Christ are doing what they're doing to get power, doing what they're doing to get love, doing what they're doing to get a sound mind. As long as you're doing something to get something, you're telling yourself you don't have it. The law of physics says that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So in your heart, the way it works in your heart is if you tell yourself, I must become something, you've just told yourself you're nothing. And the harder you try to become something, the more solidified in your heart you're nothing. And the harder you try, the more you're going to fail. And pretty soon you get to the point where you just quit. How many people, are try don't raise your hand, but how many people have lived their life trying to become a good Christian? Well, if I just went to church more, I'd be a better Christian. You can't do anything on the outside to make yourself more loved by God on the inside than what He already loves you. But from that awareness and that understanding of what He's already given us, power, love, and a sound mind. See, most people are trying to get a sound mind. See, the Scripture says you've got the mind of Christ. How much more sound can you get than that? But because we don't understand that and we don't have a revelation of that, we're trying to do stuff to get sound. Here it is. God wants us to have a sound mind, so He gave us one. Do you think he wants us to have something? He says, well, I really didn't want him to have it. So I just gave it to him anyway. No, it's God's will for you to have a sound mind. 
So in the realm of the Spirit, He gave us the mind of Christ so we can change this mind to line up with that mind. Remember, we're three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We're complete in Christ Jesus in the realm of the Spirit. You've got to see yourself complete. You've got to see yourself finished. You've got to see what God's given you. If you don't see what God's given you, you will go out and try to get it. And as long as you're trying to go out and get it, you're in the realm of religion. You're in the realm of self-righteousness. See, if you don't see your righteousness is from Him, you're going to go out and try to be righteous by your actions so you can be righteous on the inside. If you don't feel righteous, you're going to try to go out and get it. And you can't get it. It's been given. You can't do anything to get power. You've already got power. You understand? Having love, See, the Scripture says this, that we're supposed to love one another as He first loved us we don't have the capacity to love the way we're supposed to love until we first receive the love that he's given us and he says he's given God hadn't given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind now you got to stop and remember does God want you to have power yes he already gave it to you then why aren't we walking in it lack of understanding God's already given. Does God want us to walk in love? Absolutely. Does He want you to feel love? Yeah. He's already given it to you, but lack of understanding keeps us from walking in it because we already got it. Most of us are still trying to get it. Most of us are still trying to do things to get God to love us. Most of us think that what we've done has kept God from loving us. Scripture tells me nothing will separate me, separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. You can't do anything. So horrendous. To get God not to love you. Because while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. See, He did these things for us. We don't need to do, do the things for Him. See, most Christians live their life doing things for God to try to get something. Instead of living their life from God. I'm going to say that again. Most people in the church are living, trying to do things for God instead of from God. We're trying to work our way into His blessings instead of coming from His blessing. Most of us are trying to work our way in His love instead of coming forth from His love. See, this is spiritual truth realities. As soon as we understand what's been done for us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, from that understanding, see, in the book of Ephesians, it's real simply put. Before, He tells us how to wrestle against flesh and blood, I mean, against principalities and powers and how to do warfare and be shod with the preparation and put on all this armor and everything before he tells us how to be a good husband, good wife, to tell, before he tells us how to walk out our Christianity and what's been done to us, he tells us who, how we're seated in Christ and who we're seated in Christ and what's been done for us for all eternity. Watch these scriptures as we read these. Let me go ahead and read the rest of this. It says... 
verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of this testimony of our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, which had already been given, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Stop right there for a second. What has He done? He has saved us. How many people have ever heard the message of get saved? Get saved or go to hell. <sighs> now I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be gentle. But that's not the message of Calvary. The message of Calvary and the reason Jesus Christ came to this earth was not so you wouldn't go to hell. The message of salvation is so you be in right relationship with God your Father to understand that you were saved not from something, but you're saved for something. The scripture says here, it says right here, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us before time began. That means before Genesis 1-1, before creation, you were over here in God and He saved you for such a time as this over here. Most people think you're just saved from hell. This verse is saying that He saved you so you could live in His power, live in His love, and live in, his, in the kingdom of heaven in the, with a stable mind. Some of the most unstable people in the world are Christians. Some of the most unstable people in the world are Christians. I'm, I'm going to let you do the research. I want you to research and find out how many people in mental institutions that are professing believers. It will shock you. I have personally, I don't know if I, have I told this story here? Make a story real quick. I was, I was in St. Cloud, Minnesota, just preaching grace, peace, Christ, righteousness. And I got a phone call from a lady from Minneapolis. Never saw the lady, didn't know the lady. She just called, says, Pastor Curtis, says, yes. I said, uh, 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 my husband is in a mental institution at the, the county hospital on the third floor. Uh, it wasn't the institution, it was the psych ward in the hospital. And he was one day away from being, excuse me, one week away from going into the institution, and they were leaving him there for observation. Uh, and he had been there for a while, and they were about ready to put him in. And she said God had, me, uh, God had told her to call me and had me come pray for him. And I, I'm going, I don't know this person. And, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, the, the, there's, and I gave her a name of a pastor that lives, that's 45 minutes away, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Hour and a half to the, the hospital in Minneapolis. And, and so I gave her a name of some pastors I knew in the area that could be, 
and mom be there much quicker and do a better job at what she was needing than I was and and she said okay and she hung up and I got a call about an hour later from her husband and said God didn't say for you to give me a name of somebody here he wanted you to come here oops and so so I got in my car and I went to the third floor uh, mental ward in the Minneapolis St. Paul Hospital County Hospital I walked up I've never been to this hospital before and there's I got up the elevator and and, and when you get off the elevator you're confronted there's this hallway goes this way but on this whole side of the floor this wing over here there's this big old metal door and it's got this little square piece of rectangle piece of glass it's got the little wire in it you know for security you know what I'm saying and it's glass and you can see through it and I go I bet that's it you know so I said deep power deduction right there and I walked in and sure enough and I asked if this person was here I gotta remember I don't know this person never heard his name didn't know how they got my name and uh, to make a long story short this person had been born again spirit filled living in church but had never been able to live up to the standards of any of them and had literally gone uh, he wasn't crazy but he had lost it under the pressure of not being good enough this man was literally he was a uh, I forget the type of business that he was in but he was upper echelon business uh, he was in uh, a very large company he was involved with management he wasn't uh, he didn't have a history of drug abuse didn't come from a you know wasn't beaten by his dad it was just the pressure of living under the standards of the religious system that drove this man to a place where he just lost it it just snapped he couldn't do it and he gave up living and um, and so I went there and began to I, I, I talked with him for a while and began to and then I realized the connections after he was talking oh he knew somebody that I knew that lived in another state and had gotten some tapes on grace on being free from religion and they had called that ministry and that friend of mine who was taught on these tapes gave him my name and so he called me to come and minister deliverance of course I didn't minister I, yeah, I prayed for him and we talked and stuff like this and I just began to share the goodness of the gospel now this man he's, he's like his, his beard was down to here hair was wilder than mine uh, he just hadn't kept himself uh, his wife was, I hadn't met his wife yet at this time and he was just in a bewildered state he, he, it was hard for him to focus he was just again just days away from being put into a mental institution because he couldn't function because he had lost all function and reality and because of the pressure of never being able to live up to the standards of the church and uh, I prayed with him and and you know I talked for a long talked about the, I just shared him the grace message and the finished work of Calvary and why we don't have to perform and and I mean I was probably there an hour and a half and I got up to leave and I walked out this 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 metal door with a little window in it and I walked over to the elevator going okay I'm going home press a little button the door opened I turned around and looked and his, here's his face, bearded wonder. I mean, he looked like, you know, long hair, beard. He's like this, looking out the window, going, you know, just waving. 
you know, just he just just loved every minute of it. And I went on, went back to St. Cloud, didn't think nothing of it. And uh, I think it was, I don't know, four or six months later, I'm not, time just, I, I don't know how long it was, probably six months later, we were having this big revival with Nigel McNeil. Remember Nigel McNeil? We were having his first time there, it was February, and we were having ministry at the altar, and this person came up to me, clean shaven, good, just, he's probably, I don't know, probably his mid-50s at that time, clean shaven, well-dressed, uh, came up and hugged my neck, and, and I introduced myself. He says, I know who you are. And I says, you, but you don't know who I am. I said, no, I don't know who you are. And then he told me his name, and I had to stop and think. He said, and he goes, yep, I'm the man that was in the... He said, that weekend they released him because his whole countenance changed, his whole atmosphere changed. He came back to himself when he realized that he was loved by God just because God decided to love him. It wasn't based on his performance anymore. It was based on what God said about him. And I sit there and I'm just amazed at this guy. He, he was able to get back into the, the type of work he was doing before. Uh, he, he had moved back in with his wife. I mean, all these kinds of things that's taken place. And his whole life changed when he started getting the revelation of, of that. It's not about what he can do for God. It's about what God did for him. Because as long as we're living a life of what you can do for God, you can't do enough for God. God doesn't need you to do for Him. He did what He did for you. And the world doesn't need you to do... Listen, we need to do... When you step out into this, in this, this world out here, you need to be coming from the kingdom of heaven into the world. You need to be coming from the power of God. You're not doing... See, a lot of denominations go out and do in the world so they can get accepted. There's one denomination that believes that witnessing is what it's all about. And they, they really don't care if you're home or not. They chalk you off. They went to the door, they knocked, and they chalked you off. And they went to the next door. And they're required to have so many of these visitations to be a good Christian. Whether you receive the word or not is really immaterial to them. They're doing their job. Christianity is not a job, people. It's a life. It, it, it's a part of being. You know, you, it's you communicating what you've experienced. And if you can experience what God's done for you, then you can come from God into the world instead of being in the world doing things for God. God doesn't need you out there witnessing. You're not doing that for God. You're doing that from Him. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Say, you're not doing what you're doing to get power. You're doing it because you have power. You've been given that power. We need to understand what's been given to us already so we can perform not to get it, but because we have it. Let's, let's look at some more scripture here. Let me go ahead and read the rest of this. Verse 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose. In other words, God saved you back then over here because he's got a purpose for you most people are trying to decide what god wants them to do well what am i supposed to do in life well i don't know my daddy was this I, my granddaddy was this maybe i'm supposed to be this listen why don't we discover our destiny discover why god put us here so we can live in that purpose see god's given you purpose he saved you over there he saved you to be special over here he gave you power and purpose destiny right here you were created to do and perform a certain thing 
to live in a certain way so people can be experience the God working through you. Most people are just doing what they're doing because they decided to do it. Well, it's the education I got. Was that the education you were supposed to get? We, we put it this way over the years. Most every one of you were born an original. Most of us will die a copy. We're all born originals. Most of us will die a copy of somebody else. You will become like somebody else that you've looked at. You want to become like them instead of like you. God made you original. He made you on purpose, for purpose. And He did it for a reason. So you could be you. We've got the little saying on the board as you leave, on the, on the sign as you leave the, the property, it says God wants to work in you, through you, and as you, as you, as the way He created you to be. Not as you like someone else. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've fought, I mean, back when I was earlier in the ministry, trying to be like some other minister. He said, quit it. I don't, I've got one of those. He wanted me to be like me. And so I got freed from trying to be like other ministers. Because we're not all created the same for, for a reason. There's a reason for that. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Notice it doesn't say pastor. Because <laughs> it had been wrong for him to try to be a pastor when he wasn't one. He was called to do what? He was called to be a preacher, apostle, and teacher of the Gentiles. Was he called to be a preacher and a teacher and a pastor of the Jews? No, he wasn't. He was called to be a preacher and a teacher and apostle of the Gentiles. Look at, uh, look at Romans chapter 1. Real quickly, Romans chapter 1. Verse 14, I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise, so as much as is in me, what? What's it say there? For as is in much as is in me. See, he couldn't give from any perspective other than what was in him. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are, who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Look at the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I tell you, this scripture has been coming out so much recently, it's incredible. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 says this, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the what? The history of the Jews? 
doesn't say that. It says that I might preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul did not go around teaching the history of the Jews. Paul went around teaching from what revelation he had. See, he had lots of information about the history of the Jews, seeing he was the Jew of all Jews. But he didn't teach that. He taught from the revelation. He taught the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose. What we need to understand that over here before the foundations of the world, before time began, God had a plan for the Gentiles. God put that plan in Paul's heart and Paul went around preaching the very gospel that Jesus preached. Has anybody noticed that the scripture says there's a gospel of Christ and there's a gospel of peace and there's a gospel... You know what, you know what the gospel was that, that Jesus preached? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Jesus didn't preach about himself. Kingdom. All throughout the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like unto this. The kingdom of heaven is like unto this. The kingdom of heaven is like unto this. There are so many people in the body of Christ that all they've heard is the story about Jesus. Did you hear the way I said that? The story of Jesus. What? Good story. But it's not about the story of Jesus. It's about the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the kingdom of heaven on this earth. That's what he came to preach. That's what he came to teach. He said, unless you a man be born again. See, you've got to be born again to be in the kingdom. But it's not about just being born again. It's not about just not going to heaven. It's about living in the principles of the kingdom of heaven on this earth, full of power, strength, and a sound mind. We've got to have a sound mind, church. Our mind, we can't be up and down in our emotions. It doesn't mean that we don't love and we're not happy and we're not sad, but we can't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The scripture says, don't let that person that's double-minded think that he receives anything from the Lord. It doesn't mean that the Lord isn't going to give it because he's already given. It just means that he's not going to be able to tap into what God's already done with a double mind. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why we've been given a sound mind. We've been given it. You don't have to get it. Oh, why can't I experience it? Because you need to renew your old mind to the truth of the, old, the new one. That's what the word repent means. Repent means change the way you think. Because our, our carnal mind is not familiar with our spiritual mind. That's why the Bible says this. It doesn't say, you, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says there's a good Christian or a bad Christian. And I, I don't even want to take a survey in the body of Christ and how many people are trying to become a good Christian. You can't be a good Christian, and you can't be a bad one. You either are one or you're not. But you can be a spiritually minded Christian are a carnal-minded Christian. A carnal-minded Christian is someone who has not renewed his mind 
to the truth of the Word, what it says about Him. Spiritual-minded Christian is one that's renewed his mind and sees himself as God sees him and everything he does. See, in the Old Covenant, watch this, in the Old Covenant, they did things for God. And the New Covenant, they do things from God. Paul did what he did from Revelation. He didn't do it to get power. He did it because he had power. Do you see what I'm saying? Over here they were doing things to get it. This mindset about doing to get is old covenant. This mindset is I've already been given, so now I do. So when we go from this place, we're doing from a position that I've already got it. You're not using people to get something from God. You're actually blessing people because you really love them. You really care for them. Does everybody understand that? How many people, I mean, don't raise your hand, but a lot of us have relationships that are based on, well, I love you just because I really want to be loved myself. It's, it's, a, it's a codependent relationship. I'm doing for you what you want, so you'll give me what I want, and thus we'll stay happy. And the moment you don't get what you want is the moment your relationship's in trouble. Oh, you don't do this for me anymore. So you were loving that person all that time just so you can get what you were getting. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? If you really love somebody, it's not going to be for what they can give you. You're going to love them even if you don't get anything from them. That's, what, that's the way God, God said, love one another as I have loved you. You need to experience the love of God, understand that He's given us a sound mind, He's given us peace, He's given us power and love, and from that we can love one another. I tell you, there's nothing more joyful in a relationship, uh, married relationship with if, if a husband is doing everything he can for his wife and the wife is doing everything she can for the husband at the same time. Woo! That's a happy house. You know what I'm saying? That's a happy house. When you're giving everything because you're doing from and they're doing from and, and you're joint, oh. I think that's where children come from. I love what it says to me who am less than the least of all the saints this grace was given that I should preach see he couldn't preach unless he had something he didn't preach what he didn't have he preached what he had Paul says this this will be the last verse Paul says this the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me Wait a minute, let me talk about that for a second. The life that I now live, the way I live in this world, I live according to what I've realized in this world. What I've realized in the realm of the Spirit, now I can live that way here in the flesh. And so our responsibilities in the body of Christ is to begin to understand the finished work of Calvary, what Jesus has already done for us and the way He's already loved us, the way He's already accepted us. Because if you try to do things out there to be accepted, you'll get rejected and you won't do it no more. But if you're able to do what you do because you are accepted by God, it won't matter who rejects you, you'll be able to keep on loving them. You'll be able to keep on being an example. You'll keep that relationship strong until the day that they, get, they receive from God what God has for them. Does everybody understand that? Paul said, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God. That just wasn't that He died on the cross, but that He brought revelation, that He gave. See, Paul had purpose, he had destiny, he had gifts, he had knowledge and wisdom that he was given. And from that knowledge, wisdom, and revelation, he stepped out into the world and began to touch people with it. What are you touching people with? Are you touching people with power, love, and a sound mind? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. What He's given us is power so we can use it, love so we can use it, and a sound mind so we can use it. Amen? Let's all stand up. Again, the question is, are you doing things from God or for God? Are you doing things... See, let me put it this way, if I didn't make it clear. If, if you're doing things for something, that means you don't have it. Let me explain it this way. If what I'm doing, I'm doing for freedom, that means I haven't obtained freedom yet. I'm still working for it. I'm still performing for that freedom. I haven't achieved it yet. Does everybody understand that? If you're doing things for a paycheck, that means you haven't received that paycheck yet, right? So you're working for that end result. But if we have that end result, if we have freedom then we come from freedom we're not doing it for it see most of us are so busy doing what we already we're, we're trying to become something we already are we need to understand that we're already loved by God we already have a sound mind we already have power and strength and acceptance we, all, we, we already have everything that pertains to life and godliness in the realm of the spirit but as long as we're busy working for it we'll never realize we got it but once we realize we have it then it can just flow then it can just come forth. We can just love people. We, just, we won't have trouble believing because we know we got it. Does everybody understand that? A Christian life is a life based on what's been done. A religious life is a life based on what you're doing. Need to hear that again. A religious life is based on what you're doing. A Christian life is based on what's been done. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this, this morning. Father, I thank you that it's a word that can, uh, that it's uplifting, edifying, exhorting, and it's a word that can change the way we are with the people around us. Father, I thank you that we know that we're loved, we know that we've been empowered, and we know that we have a sound mind. And I thank you that your word is what brings that stability in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for revealing your, your, your will in our life and your word in our life and establishing us in Christ Jesus. I thank you that we have the mind of Christ. And I thank you that you are our teacher. And we are repenting. We are changing the way we think to line up with the way you think in the Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Uh, before you go, I want you to understand this. If you understand the principle of doing things for... See, when you do things for something, that means you want it. And you don't have it. Right? For God so loved the world, He gave. Because He did what He did so He could get what He wanted. And that was you. So He gave to get you. He paid the price. He said, I want you. 
and He gave and He got you and brought you in. It's up to us to believe it, church. It's up to us to get the word out that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us that much. He's not asking you to change. He's asking you to believe. He's not asking you to change. He's asking you to believe. I need to say that again. He's not asking you to change. He's asking you to believe in what He's already done.